All right, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I am your host, The Lost African, aka the Afro Boy. Um, I am for the betterment of all black people, all Afro people, and you guys know that this is the them segment. So at least once a week, we will be viewing every episode um, of them, and we will do a recap um, because them is very important. A lot of the aspects of them still relate, and a lot of the issues in the story we still go through in modern day in 2021 uh whether indirectly or directly um and also um because i believe in in black support and black unity one of my friends i've known since since high school um he is a artist i'm actually been looking into him um doing a a uh, sort of collage type portrait for for my show so his name is Lamor de ma bay he customizes um he's very big on customizing shoes he has great artwork you can check him out on facebook um the website is www.aliveshoes.com um that is his website he has has amazing artwork my man's been been painting for years I've been painting for years, but let's get into it though. Oh, so shout out to our sponsors and anchors. Shout out to the fact that we're over about 40% of the world listeners listening to me through Apple Podcasts. So that's great for everybody that has an iPhone to hear my voice. I love y'all. We try to get to 50%. And we hey, we try to get to 100%. I'm trying to be on the top 100 podcasts as far as influential people, especially uh for my people. But let's get into it. So this is them, the Amazon series, episode four. And we're going to go into the first scene. Henry comes out, getting ready for work for the morning, and he steps out on his front porch, and the first thing he sees is a whole bunch of dolls in blackface or black dolls hanging with nooses around their necks all on the front porch. You know, this is Grace Jane, the baby girl's first day. So he comes back in the house. He, he's trying to prepare them for what they're about to see. Because, you know, things like this is, is very traumatic. A lot of people don't pay attention to things that the kids go through. You know, some it's not everything will just skate past the child's mind, especially if it's if it's really dramatic. You know, like the kids that witnessed. Um, uh, I apologize for forgetting the black man's name. <laughs> But there was a black man, I believe it was in like, um, not Oklahoma, I think it was North Carolina, who got shot in the back uh, by an officer and his kids were in the cop, you know? So it's just, it's just reference that, you know, he's trying to prepare them. And he's also trying to console his wife, Luck. And this is where I get into, you know, you have to assess the reality versus the moral to succeed as a family, especially us as a, as a black family. And that's why I'm so adamant on black unity, black community, black mutual love. You know, I have nothing against interracial love, but black love is still just as special. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I love seeing that because that alludes strength. And I say that because when Lux steps out of the house, she's angry. She on 10. It's, it's, it's always, she ready to go fight. This and she, she let's do it. So what Henry does, which a lot of people, I think, I don't, I want people to understand 
where Henry is as far as being the man, being a black man, being a husband, where he is in the situation, what his duty is to his family, to that black woman, to those black kids. You know, they they reference that some of his acts are very coonish um, and that he should just go out and, and be the angry black man and just, you know, man, go... You finna go hammer on these white folks because they just being wildly disrespectful and all we trying to do is live. And we have very right to feel that way. But here's the thing. This is what he says to her. He's addressing the reality. He says, we got three options here, baby. Option one, I could go be the mad black man, you know, go down there, tear the head off, and I go to jail and they destroy the black family. They take the kids, you out here in this mess, so forth and so on. Option two, I could stay home with you, make sure you say baby girl, console you and whatnot. Um, but I just started to, it, this is luck. So this is where the black, this is where black unity comes in. Cause luck, once he calms, once Henry calms luck down, luck starts to think. She says, yeah, you could stay home with me, but you did just get this job. It's a very good job. You, you, earn and deserve this job, but you on pins and needles, especially doing that era in the society we in, why they don't already want you there. So they're just, they, they looking for a reason to fight. So if you stay home with me, then our kids don't eat, black families destroyed, so forth and so on. Now he says, here's a third option. I know you're upset. I know you're angry. You got the right to be. But we're going to get through this. This is how we're going to do it. Because we better than that. We stronger than that. We longer than that. You know what I mean? Our melon glow. <laughs> so we longer than that. You hear me? Uh, he says to her, he says, here's what I can do. I can go to work. I'm paraphrasing. I can go to work where I'm qualified to be because I'm a smart individual black man. Kids can go to school where they deserve to be to get a good education because they're smart, brilliant black kids. You go in the house and you prepare and, and get our home together and we're going to be here when you get back. And we're going to get through this together. You know. And to me, that was that was really beautiful. That, that moment was really beautiful. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened after Henry left. So after Henry left, the black woman is just as strong as the black man. And the black woman, which is Luck, Luck goes over there and confronts Mrs. Wendell. And to paraphrase the, the, the conversation, she's like, look, you got a problem with me. Y'all got a problem with me just existing. I'm right here. She walked clean over across the street to Miss Wendell, like, what's up? You know, like, I'm, I'm right here. I'm not going nowhere. You know what I mean? And the crazy thing is, <clears throat> this is where it comes into the psychological effects of adopting and the, the obstacles that will go along with trying to break down the racist ideology or having that that those racist thoughts dealing with racism and the supremacy hold ideology. Ms. Wendell genuinely, gen, genuinely asks, 
why do you want to live in a place where you aren't wanted? And that's a logical question. You know, she's like, I'm, I'm serious. You should find some other place to live. But here's the thing on top of that. What that is, is that in the reverse, why are you asking me that question? Why can't I just live, be another human being like, like you? Why can't I just live here? Uh, why can't my, my, my kids go to school there? Uh, you know, why can't I feed my husband the same way you are? That's that's the reverse. That's what I'm not the same way you're not understanding with logical, like, hey, why you want to live somewhere where you're not wanted? But why can't I just live? Why can't we just live as, as human beings? I mean, now here's where the system the supremacy, white supremacy, and racist system comes into play. Because after that confrontation, Luck tries to figure out a way to get out from underneath the house. She goes to the former, the original realtor who sold her the house. This is a part of redlining and those, um, those underlined agreements or, or stern contracts or or biases that are put in these type of legislations, especially in this era. This is the 1900s, late 1900s, really, mid or late 1900s, like 1940 up to like 1980. And the realtor tells her, she says, your debt is armatized without any occurred or curl of equity. So equity is the value that is inside of the home. I mean, real estate school. Uh, but because of the way the agree the agreement was written during this era, you can't claim any equity out out of the home. So, for for example, say I buy a home that is a hundred hundred thousand dollars, hundred k. I buy the home, and next year it's reevaluated, maybe because of new infrastructure, new development, whatever is going on in the area. It's supposed to increase. The value of the neighborhood so that 100k home just turned into 150k so that means that the equity equity is what has the increase of growth and value over a certain period of time occurred in the home but because of the way the legislation is written in this in this era there was no equity and they call that because of they called it usury and usury is a term there there are usually laws in place now but usually was used in this basis black family goes and buy the home they use usury they put such high interest on the the payment the value everything that's intertwined with the finances of the home to the fact that even if you pay or sell the home you still owe the financial institution, the interest. So say you, then an example, I buy the home, they're using those interest, those usury guidelines as an obstacle for me. I buy the home at 100K. Next year, 12 months go by, I want to sell the home. You know, I found something new, something else. They say that, oh, okay. Your home supposedly did increase in value, so now it's worth 120. 
But because of usury, the interest are so high that you owe the financial institution, so many words, 140. So they they clap you on the debt. So basically, during this time, which is part of the effect of like redlining and those biased and segregational real estate uh, laws that were put in place, or not laws, but regulations and policies that were put in place. Basically, they bought into debt. Now, but she also finds out that there's another black family in the home. So Luck goes over to meet the other black family. And it was so sad in the sea. I'm basically, most of that, I kind of just, I didn't even, it's, it, that's a hard scene. It's a hard scene. Um, but now we're going to get into Ruby. And this is the wildest part. The truth behind Ruby and Doris's relationship. You know, while Ruby thinks that that this is beginning to be a friendship, Doris actually, in so many terms, is treating her like a toy, putting makeup on her, you know, saying that she's only she's pretty for a color girl. You should do this. You should be into that to try to be accepted. And then what the craziest part is what you find out later is that Doris is imaginary. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, I say, damn, that low key make a lot of sense. I say, yeah. I say I might go, I might go a little crazy because you have to look at what they're battling in this series being by themselves they're alone there ain't a lot of black people in the neighborhood let alone there ain't no black people in the school when it come to ruby she's the only black girl there just dealing with this racist ideology they're calling a monkey they're doing all these things shit i might need an imaginary friend to cope with this because i'm a child not understanding and truly coming to grasp of why they hate me as a child. Shit, I might need an imaginary friend. And I was like, damn, that's messed up. But I kind of understand it because the, the level of, of, of stress and, and psychological and mental torment that you that you have to go through on a daily basis, daily basis. You know, and it gives you an insight into what they don't really talk about, even when they teach us. Like, so in North America, where I'm from, because I'm from Chicago, um, Chicago, Illinois, they talk about the civil rights movement and they mention Brown versus the Board of Education. You know, they mention the school, but they never go into super, super detail about what the the teenagers, the college students, the, the kids in elementary school that were the first the first to uh, push towards the whole uh, integrating and, you know, black students and white students learning together, what they went through to try to break the barriers of that hateful mentality. And seeing that, I was like, that's a lot. That is a lot to go through. So, and then we're going to go into the black family that Luck goes and meets. And um, 
this is is probably one of the most hardest scenes to watch. It's, so I'm gonna talk about the conversation, but I can't even talk about the rest. I can't. You, you just you you gotta go see it. You, you just gotta watch it for yourself. Um, but the basis of the the conversation uh, with Luck and Ella. Ella, she coming down from Georgia. I love hearing that because my uh, one of our grandparents is from Georgia. So she coming from Georgia. She going up north down there to Compton. As you know, she moving from out of down south. And she says we've been living here for about twelve months. And you know all the the same things that the the Emory family been going through. They burning nigger heaven on the line. Hanging black dogs around nooses, all they did all the tricks to torment these black people to get them to move. And she says that based around how the white how the white folks were thinking at this time, how they wanted to see ourselves. She says the, the police officer come over there and she says, You need to learn how to fit in, you need to clean up. You need to get all this dirt, you know, about your house. You need to try your best to fit in. And she took that literally to the point to where this talks about how, you know, the ideology when we first came to this country, enslaved in this country, we were seen as less than and we were dirty and that's how we were spoken to and that we needed to be clean and trained. And she literally, Miss Ella literally took this to the point to where she was trying to scrub her black skin away, which also mentions the whole thing about bleaching. Bleaching is a very uh, mental thing to me. And I hate when I see uh, my beautiful melanated people. Like I always get sad, for instance, Lil' Kim, I always get sad when I see her. She was such a beautiful black woman. She's, She's still a black woman. Very much so, but just it was like the the aspect of like wanting to wash your melanin in a way. Even though melanin isn't the only thing that makes you black, but to even want to wash your melanin in a way, because the aspects in society in today's basis says that it's not beautiful, that it's dirty. And she was trying to scrub her blackness away to to emphasis. It literally says this says to scrub my blackness away so I could be white as snow. No, 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 no. It's, it was it was so sad, so sad. Um, so then we're going to go into Henry, and Henry's at work, and he's in the elevator, and they come in and they're chopping it up. His boss and another coworker, and they're supposed to talk about this gathering. And his boss is trying to uh, tell him in so many indirectly. Uh, racial ways that you know you wouldn't want to be there, and it's, it's so boring, so forth and so on. So, um, Henry, there's there's a man he's called the Dancing Tap Man, and the Dancing Tap Man is basically supposed to be the aspect of coonery that uh, you hear a lot of be- black folks talk about. And coonery basically is saying that you're it's supposed to be the term they're used for sellout that. You're going to diminish your blackness to try to manage your blackness just to fit in with these white people who don't like you. They don't they don't like you as a mass and don't want you there. Um, you know, so Henry was going to go introduce uh to the owner, to the president, himself, because he finds out that all the engineers 
are going to get a piece of this great contract. So, you know, it's basically like a bonus or whatever the case may be. It's a positive thing. So Henry, being the brilliant and and great black man he is, say, all right, I'm going to go introduce myself. And he's a vet. Remember, Henry is a black vet. He finds out that the, the owner of the prayers is a vet. He's like, okay, I'm going to introduce myself, talk to him, let him know I work here. So his boss for the the uh, department he works for stops him. And in this small conversation, he actually admits and tells him, he's like, yeah, I didn't tell him that I hired a, a Negro. You know, I didn't, I didn't let him know. You know, he's, I don't know if he'll necessarily like that. So Henry says, oh, I get it now. You didn't let him know that you hired me. You don't know that another Negro works here, right? He says, okay, cool. I'm going to introduce myself. And it actually turns out better than you think. He lets him know that, yes, sir, I'm also a vet. I fought in the war in this infantry, and, you know, I, I bled for this country as a right to be this man. I deserve to be respected. And that's what I feel like what Henry was trying to tell a lot of people is that I deserve, as a man, not, not just a black man, as a man, I deserve to be treated the same as any other man on this earth and on this country. I'm smart. I'm brilliant. I can do what you can do, you know, in his own way. And but then we're going to go into Mrs. Wendell. And it actually this was the first time that for an inkling of the moment, I felt like empathy, true empathy and sadness for her character, which is racist towards black folks in the movie. I mean, in the series. But here's what I started to understand. And there's always there is always reasoning. Remember this, people. There is always reasoning on top of why people act the way they act. It isn't just they wake up and they embrace this ideology. They're usually taught this. This usually becomes, this is from some traumatic and tragic event in their life. So she's she's coming to the point to where like, okay, I'm thinking my neighborhoods, this is Mrs. Wendell. This is her, uh, you know, supremacist, white supremacist, racist ideology. She's like, she goes to her parents. She's like, well, look, can, can we get a loan to, to, you know, move closer to home? She's just trying to be like, well, you know, all right, if you can't, if you can't beat them, leave them. You know, that's how she embraces this. So she goes to her parents and her parents actually have a Latino. The first time you see a Latino in the whole series, they have a Latino maid, um, so, but she goes into the home and she sits down with her father and you can tell their relationship is very rocky. Um, you know, she she doesn't really want to be there. He's like, what you, you know, why are you here? So far for so long, you know, aren't you and Clark doing good? Clark is the husband, opens window. And she's like, well, yeah, we're doing all right. But, you know, we're, we're looking to move and, hey, be close to the home. We could come and see you guys. So forth. So basically just trying to smother him up to offer to get money. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll give you money. And then the mother comes in. And the tragic thing about their relationship is that what you see is, is that the mother is disappointed in her. She's like, why are you here? Why did you come back? What do you want? You want something. You want something. You want something. So I'm going to break down how this relationship with why is so tragic. 
So he says, you're going to spend the night, the father of Miss Wendell, he says, you're going to spend the night, you're going to take a bath, you know, you don't need to travel home, you're going there in the morning, right? I'll wash you up. This is her father saying this, I'll wash you up. And right there, I started to realize what was so wrong about this relationship. They put in perspective that basically her father was touching on her as a kid, had been touching on her throughout life. And the saddest thing about this is the mother has a small form of resentment that she took out on her kid instead of blaming the man, instead of leaving the man. And I know back then, you know, they did, they were big on you don't divorce because, you know, women, that that's where the whole women's rights kind of walks into the era because women didn't have a lot of opportunity outside of truly being um, independent outside of having jobs that are going to pay them living wages, the same as men. That's where this whole fight for women's rights came into uh, effect. But she talks to her as like, it's her fault. Instead of blaming the father with this issue. She's like, well, I don't know why you came back. I don't know what the point of you being here. You shouldn't have came back, sweetheart. And it's, I don't think that she necessarily doesn't love her daughter, but at the same time, their relationship is extremely, extremely sad. And to that emphasis, I understood why she's so messed up. Because her family is messed up. Her family has and put psychological issues and mental issues onto her. And the things that she hasn't dealt with and going through tragedy, she puts this on other people. But because she believes that this is just the way it's supposed to be and this is my father and so forth and so on, she's like, well, this is how it is. My mother, you know, didn't protect me or say so forth and so on. So, you know, hey, this is how it dealt with until she found their man Clark. But it was like in that moment, what she was willing to do because she just couldn't deal with the fact that there were black people in her home. She was willing to sacrifice herself, her dignity to go through that horrible, horrible uh, experience, sexual assault just to get some money. Now she didn't go through with it in the scene because that would have been like, whoa, that's a lot if they put that out there, but just the, the, the mention of it was, was crazy. And I was just like, that's when I felt sad. That's the, the few moments where I was like, I feel sad for her. Doesn't excuse because by them being grown and everyone's grown in assistance, there is a point to where, yes, there is accountability or blame that you could put on the systems, the things that have happened to you, uh, the unfairness of how your life has went about. And then there's the other portion as to where, you know, that whole pick yourself up by your bootstraps type of uh, saying goes along. And you get into where you have to be able to make that choice as an adult. You have to say, well, I'm going to change my mentality. I'm not going to just hate them because they're black. You know, I'm not just going to just hate them because they're different. Um, maybe I should try to understand them, so forth and so on. 
there does come a point in every person's life to where there is is blame on the wrongful society structures, but then there's also what are you doing? What are you doing to change yourself and to change the world? Which is why I created this this podcast, my show, my image, my brand. Um, I am not only trying to influence and reconnect my people all around the world, but to forcefully say that the reason is behind the way the world and social structures were made doesn't need to be. A lot of the reasons as to why you dislike me because I'm black, you dislike me because I do this or that are, are, are dumb and unnecessary. I'm a human being. I'm a man. You're a man. My wife, my family, my mother, my sister, they're women. You're women. You know, there's a, I said this before, you can have pride for your individuality, but there also is like, just live, just live on this earth. Cause you know, animals, cause you know, like the mammals and sea creatures, they don't have this, oh, I hate him because he's a bear and, and I'm a polar bear, right? They're just bears. A grizzly bear is just a bear. A polar bear is still just a bear. They're just bears living where they live, but they're just bears. The polar bear doesn't hate him because he's a grizzly bear. You know what I'm saying? So on that standpoint, uh, please like and share. I am your host, the Lost African Afro Boy, and I will see y'all later.